This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So excited to bring you my guest today. We're all big supporters of Animal Rescue, and you'll understand how I've been waiting for a company like this for years once you meet our guest. Her name is Shannon Falconer. She's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Because Animals, and it's the first and only biotech company making real meat treats with food to come for dogs and cats, but without the animals. That's right. No animals were harmed in the making of their real meat products. So I don't want to waste a moment longer. I want to introduce you to Shannon and find out more about this amazing company, their products, and what we can look forward to from them. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller-Young, your host. We're going to take a very short break from our sponsor, but when we come back, you're going to meet Shannon and learn all about Because Animals. So get your favorite beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller-Young, your host. Today, I'm excited to welcome Shannon Falconer, co-founder and CEO of a company called Because Animals. It's a biotech company. It's a nutrition company. And it's amazing because for those of us who love animals, this company provides real meat for our dogs and cats, but without harming animals. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you very much, Jody, for the warm welcome. <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, I am so excited to speak. Tell us a little bit about how this company came about. Yeah. Um, so officially, we, we founded the company, my, my co-founder, Joshua Eret and I, about five years ago now. But I suppose if I think back to, you know, probably for most of my life in reality, this was sort of in the making in, in some way. I grew up with three dogs and three cats. So I developed a really close relationship with animals at a young age. And in my very early teens, I stopped eating meat for animal welfare reasons, and then started volunteering at uh, rescues. So shelters, mostly cat and dog rescue in my late teens, and then and then continue to do that throughout my adult life. As an aside, though, I'm also a biochemist by training. So I did my, my master's and my PhD in biochemistry. And so I'm, I'm really, you know, I love science. 
So I would sort of spend my days at the bench and then in the evenings doing volunteer stuff related to, uh, especially when I was doing my PhD, cat rescue, so trap, neuter, release. And I didn't ever really see any opportunity or any way for my my professional and this this other part of my life, this other huge part of my life to merge. And then I was working on my postdoc at Stanford University. And so I was in this, I was lucky enough to be in this place in the world where anything and everything is possible. And it was really at that point when I decided that I would dedicate my scientific training to taking animals out of the supply chain. And so that's when I left my, yeah, my, my academic pursuits and started Because Animals and focused on pet food. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit about the process of creating these real meat products without the animals. Right. So basically we are creating meat. I mean, I think especially at this point in history, you know, there's a lot of interest in meat alternatives for human consumption and, and to some extent our pets as well. But nonetheless, uh, cats and dogs, they evolved as, um, as carnivores and unlike humans who are omnivores. And so, you know, we, we very much can and do thrive on solely plant-based diets. Dogs as well can do this, but metabolically speaking, they're actually much more similar to humans than they are to cats. But nonetheless, people want to feed their dogs meat and especially their cats. And so what we said was, okay, well, we're going to create then meat, but it is not actually a meat alternative. It is meat. We're just making it in an alternative way. So what we do is in a one-time scenario, and we started with mouse, mouse being the ancestral diet of the cat. So in the wild, cats eat mice, small birds and insects. And we took some cells from from a few mice who are all still alive today and and living with one of our stem cell scientists in, in a mouse house in her home. So we took some cells. And then from there, basically, we use those cells now as the basis to continue to grow all of our meat in the future. So we take those cells and we provide them with the nutrients, the ingredients, so vitamins, minerals, amino acids, all of those things that the cells inside of an animal in a body, all of the things that a cell would need to grow and divide inside a body, we provide those cells with, but rather than it happening in a body, we do it in a large vessel, which we call a bioreactor. So it's warm and allows for gas exchange, you know, in an animal, this would be a womb, but for us, this is this is this bioreactor and, and we feed these nutrients. So the cells, it sounds simple because it is really, they just continue to grow. And so we develop more and more mass of these cells and then we harvest them eventually. So basically we would strain away the, the, the nutrient mix that the cells are growing in and then just take the, the cells, the, the meat mass and combine them with other ingredients that we would find in, in a treat or eventually a, a wet food or a kibble. So very something similar to what cats and, and dogs and pet parents are already used to and make the food. So it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. And it is the wave of the future. I remember when I was living in New York and it must be now, I don't know, about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, when I was reading about a Brooklyn-based company who was doing something similar, trying to you know, create meat in the lab and this was before Beyond. This was before Impossible. And I just thought, oh my God, I cannot wait for that day when factory farming is no longer something that we have to deal with in our society on so many levels, which I'll, I want to talk to you more about in a moment. But tell people what kind of products you're offering now. 
Yeah. So, um, of course, creating this uh, totally like revolutionary ingredient, it is taking us a little bit of time to to make sure that we get it right. So to bring the cost down, to make it something that consumers can afford. So while this is happening, while we're continuing to develop the product, we do already have some products on the market. And what we've done is we've created um, a superfood supplement, probiotic and superfood supplement, as well as some nutritional yeast-based dog cookies. And so basically what we're doing is with the probiotic, and with the nutritional yeast is where we're making products with other cultured ingredients. So actually probiotics and nutritional yeast, both ingredients that pet people, people in general already know and recognize the health benefits of for both themselves and their cats and dogs. They're actually grown also in a bioreactor and they're grown in a way that's very, very similar to how we're culturing meat. So we're using those other cultured ingredients um, to basically tell the story of what cultured meat is, because we fully recognize that this is a big, you know, it's an unknown. Nobody knows what cultured meat is for all intents and purposes. And we really want people to sort of step into our world and to understand what it is completely and to not feel afraid. This is actually an ingredient that is really, really similar to other household ingredients. So we have this probiotic-based supplement, one for dogs, one for cats, and this nutritional yeast-based dog cookies. And so, yeah, through these products, we're we're basically engaging with consumers and, and hopefully lifelong customers. And we encourage them to ask us questions, get in touch, and we'll continue to develop and innovate and iterate on our product development with respect to cultured meat based on what basically consumers are asking us for. Mm -hmm. I think that that transparency, because it is an educational process for people, is so important. Nutritional yeast is amazing. I incorporated it into our diet here several months ago. It's tasty. Yeah, it's tasty. It's cheesy and tasty. And we know that dogs and cats love that. So that's a really great choice. Let's do a little bit deeper, even a dive, because the other ingredients that I've read from your site that you include in these treats, toppers, sound beautiful. Tell us about them. Right. So the other ingredients, those would be, so they're the the fermented or the the cultured ingredients. So those would be those microbes like probiotics and nutritional yeast. And then the other ingredients that we're using are, those are plant-based products. So um, basically things like various fruit and vegetable powders um, in the actual, the superfood supplement, as well as a blend of different seaweeds or referred to as macroalgae. So seaweed is, is really quite a powerful ingredient in terms of being this very, very nutrient dense. And the way that um, conventional, historically, the way that conventional farming has has worked is that a lot of the soil has been somewhat depleted of those, you know, many of the nutrients that are just would naturally be in the ground. And of course, that the plants take up, but in the sea, that's not the case that the nutrients are constantly washing over these, you know, these large plants, the seaweed as they grow. And these seaweeds do, they bind a lot of these various minerals that are many, many minerals that are in the in the ocean. And so what we're left with is, um, yeah, a product that is very, very dense in especially minerals. So our superfood supplement, um, yeah, I would say it's very rich in that respect, as well as provides omega fatty acids, which are really, really beneficial for cats and dogs in terms of, especially if we want to see a demonstrable improvement in health, you can really sort of see um, a coat shine and and softness once you add back those omega fatty acids, if they're, if they're a little bit deficient in your dog or cat's diet. Even joints, joints, brain, I mean, so many benefits of the, uh, 
the fatty acids. So yeah, it's wonderful. And I encourage everybody to, to go on the site. Um, Shannon will give that those details before we say goodbye. Um, and look at these ingredients. They are very natural and um, wholesome mm -hmm. and, 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 and nutrient dense vitamins and minerals. So I think we're of the same tribe, Shannon. I've cried many tears. Maybe you have too when you see these images of factory farmed animals, read the stories, the meat industry, big pharma, these huge, huge, powerful industries. Are you at all concerned about playing in a space that doesn't, I'm not saying you're going up against them, but you're offering an alternative that they may not be so happy about. Yeah, I'm actually not concerned in the slightest. For the most part, um, you know, consumers, we've, we've seen it. Um, consumers are, are really, really wanting um, products that are not only good for themselves, but are good for the environment, good for and good for other animals, whether it be their pets or whether it be the livestock. So cows, pigs, chickens. And of course, just the, the many, many, many species that would live in the wild. So for instance, when we think about clearing land for livestock to graze, or even just to grow the crops to feed the livestock, what ends up happening in the Amazon is, is sadly a really probably the most prominent example of this, where you have this wealth of um, species diversity. And then as you clear the forest, you ruin homes for all of these many, many, many animals. And so whether or not you care about it, there are so many reasons to want to eliminate animal agriculture. And so people have their pick. And so con consumers are definitely far more interested in, in foods that they can feel good about. So I think as consumers are opting for, as they're demanding different types of products, these large companies that might be traditional meat producers or um, involved in um, meat distribution, they also see the writing on the wall that consumers want something different. And so there are actually many instances of these large, these large companies investing in other plant-based or cultured meat alternative um, companies. So they are starting to diversify their portfolio, understanding that if they continue to you know, staunchly only advocate for animal-based meat, that their own livelihoods, their own careers will be on the line. Yeah, they're going to be left behind. Touche, more power to you. Um, <laughs> and then there's always the methane issue too. You know, factory farming creates more methane than I think the airline and, and car industries combined or something crazy like that? Yeah. So actually a recent study um, from a couple of years ago, the first, and then there were several studies since then, but a professor in California basically showed that, yeah, more than a quarter of the environmental effects of the animal agriculture industry in terms of deforestation, water, and, and fossil fuel use is directly attributed to the food that Americans feed their cats and dogs. And in terms of numbers, actually, if, if it, just the cats and dogs in the US alone, if we think about the amount of meat that they eat, that would place them as the fifth largest country in terms of meat consumption, just the cats and dogs in the United States. So they are huge, huge drivers of, of this industry. And global warming. Yes, yeah. Which course. we're all feeling the effects of already right. today. Of course. Um, okay. Talk to us about what we can expect from Because Animals down the line in terms of products. 
Well, we're working very hard right now. I mean, we recently just announced that our harmless hunt cultured mouse cat treat, we have that product ready. We have our pre-order list that's available on our website. And where we are at this moment is basically scaling, scaling the process so that we can create more and more of that meat so that we can actually satisfy and meet the demand of people who want to purchase this product and, and feed it to their cats. So certainly in the future, you can, you will, um, you will in the very near future, I hope you will actually be able to, to purchase our cultured mouse cat treats. And then a little further out, um, we will offer a nutritionally complete food as well, cultured mouse for cats. For dogs, we're focused on cats at this moment, but in the very near future, yeah, we will also, of course, as we continue to grow and we have the financial means to do, so we, we will focus as well on dogs and for them um, making a cultured rabbit. So we're really, really focused on the, the small prey ancestral diet of cats and dogs. So although chicken and beef and pork and seafood are the main ingredients in commercial pet foods, the reality is in the wild, those are none of those animals are species that cats in particular would actually would actually consume wolves to some extent, yes, but not a chihuahua, for instance, right? So (laughs) dogs, domesticated dogs are very different than wolves. Nonetheless, we're we're focused on those um, that natural prey, because actually those common those other common protein sources are actually the main allergens for cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in making cultured meat, we really saw this as an opportunity to create the protein source that's most evolutionarily appropriate for our pets. Sounds really interesting. And, you know, even conventional vets today will, for dogs that do have allergy issues, will suggest, you know, trying these meats that are not the typical meats that you'd find in commercial foods as a a way to hopefully alleviate the problem. Um, Will you be offering raw in these, in rabbit or in mouse for dogs and cats, or will it be other forms of food? At the moment, certainly for the treat, it is a it, the the treat is a crunchy treat. And as we move forward, I think we're there's really there's at this moment we we can do whatever we like or whatever consumers would like us to do. And so for raw, we could potentially do that. And I would say, you know, for instance, I wouldn't advocate a raw diet, raw meat diet for dogs or cats as meat that would come from an animal because all meat has all of it. If one were to actually take a swab and then culture out what is growing or what microbes are on that meat, there are fecal bacteria is on meat, all meat. It has been tested and shown. And so dogs do and can, and cats as well, they can become sick. One of the amazing things about cultured meat is that the way that we grow it, you know, we grow ourselves, there's no immune system because there's no animal. So the way that we grow our meat, we don't use any antibiotics, but if there is any contamination by bacteria, we would see it right away. So it's actually impossible for us to grow and harvest as much cultured meat as we will do and do do while having any contamination. Because if there's contamination, we see it immediately, kill the culture and start again. So our meat, our cultured meat is actually, it is clear of any bacterial contamination. We could potentially offer that and I would feel safe and comfortable doing so, which I wouldn't feel so comfortable with if it was animal-based meat, for instance. So a comment and a question. Mm -hmm. The question is, in your cultured meat, were you to offer it raw, will it retain the live enzymes that current raw meat have? It would, right? 
Yeah, because those are what's such an amazing health benefit above any other kind of food for dogs and cats and why raw is on the top of the food pyramid in terms of vitality. It's those live enzymes. Right. And so when we're growing the meat, as long as the things that can basically denature protein or enzymes are things like heat, acidic or basic environments, but we are not applying any of those things, right? So from the time of harvest, we could say, okay, so here's the meat. And, and then at that point, yeah, if it's sealed without any oxygen, then this would be this is meat that is free of any kind of contamination, but it still maintains or yeah, all of those nutrients that it would actually have while it's growing in the bioreactor. Perfect. I am a proponent of raw feeding for dogs and cats. So I'll just, I'll state that up front. Um, it is my understanding that two things make dogs and cats a lot less likely to get sick from eating raw than the humans that feed them raw. And one is that the level of acid in their stomachs when food actually enters their digestive system is 100 times higher than that of humans. So it kills so much. And then the other is that their digestive tracts are so much shorter than humans. So the transit time is so much quicker. And so it's my understanding that the likelihood, unless the human dog or cat parents are careless about how they, you know, handle the meat and it, it stays out longer than it should, et cetera, that it's far more likely if you're not careful for you to pick something up than your dog or cat from eating raw. I would say it definitely is more likely that a human would get sick from the same bacteria when exposed to the same amounts. It's more likely that a human would that a human would get sick than a dog or a cat. But definitely when we're thinking about things like E. coli and salmonella and listeria, those microbes definitely our dogs and cats are also susceptible to becoming sick by them as well. And it really just depends on how much the bacterial load as it would be called how much bacteria is growing on that raw meat when our pets consume it. And so there's a certain point where by which if it's too high, our pets will become sick just because there's too much of it there. And those microbes, they produce toxins. And so those toxins, and those are not necessarily, you know, enzymes that that would be denatured in an acidic environment, those are actually molecules that can really do a lot of damage to a cell. So cats and dogs can and do become sick from things like contamination, by of foods by E. coli, salmonella, listeria, but it depends on how much is there. And it also depends on the microbiome, right? So um, normally, and the interesting thing though, is that the microbiome actually has been shown, um, studies have shown that domesticated dogs, um, they actually have very, the microbiome is actually very similar often to that of their pet parent, um, that of their human. So it's often that microbial dynamic that that really keeps other microbes that could potentially become pathogenic or mm -hmm. they could flourish. It's the native micro, uh, microbiome that keeps those otherwise pathogens in check. So yeah, there's a whole slew of complicated reasons for why and when, you know, a, a bacterial infection could blossom from, uh -huh. for instance, meat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I talk about the microbiome a lot and how important it is to have a balanced microbiome and a strong immune system and a strong life force, because all of that is going to help your dog or cat ward off things like 
those kinds of pathogens, as well as fleas and, you know, a host of other things. So yeah, totally. To go a little bit on the lighter side, I saw on your site that in addition to these wonderful looking treats and topper, you also have these really cute accessories. Tell us about those because they're, they're adorable. Ah, thanks. Yeah. So I mean, I I think in terms of our totes, little tote bags and some of our swag, mostly those, those are there really just as a a kind of just to promote some awareness about what we're doing, because although we are, you know, we are a pet food company, we're also very much on a mission, right? So we do have this, the, the whole reason why we exist is, is absolutely with the intention of taking animals out of the supply chain. So we are as much as we try to be very light, um, because, you know, and just sort of embrace love, because that's what pets do for us. And the other side, we do, we exist because of a very, very heavy and horrendous and deeply saddening industry that is, yeah, that when I think about it too much, it's really quite emotionally crippling. I mean, so that's sort of the sad undercurrent of the company. This is why we're doing what we're doing. But we recognize that people don't want to be hit over the head with all this doom and gloom all the time, all day. And so I think more people feel comfortable um, talking about positive things. And so, yeah, we, we encourage that. And so things like some nice swag with, you know, that's just fun uh, in terms yes. of shirts and to sort of spread the word about what we're doing in a positive light way, as opposed to, as opposed to talking about why all of the horrible reasons about why we're doing this. Yeah. And you know, everyone, you can see pictures of all of this stuff on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site, but also know that when, or if you choose to try Because Animals for your pets, that you are making a difference. You know, every person counts in making a difference for these factory farmed animals to end this horrendous existence that they live. So, okay, Wall Street, they've taken notice. Obviously, you know, we see it with Beyond Meat. We see it with the Impossible Burgers. You've talked about it with the major meat producers now, you know, offering other types or or investing in. Tell us a little bit about the companies that have gotten behind you and this trend that you're seeing and, and why. Yeah, well, we do. Certainly, we have been able to grow thanks to uh, funding from venture capital. And so, yeah, it's as the world has really noticed over, you know, certainly the past decade, but in in particular, just the past couple of years, people's interest in, as we talked about earlier, food that, you know, they feel comfortable with in terms of where it's coming from. I mean, investors, businesses, businesses know this. And so, and capital venture is all about being able to sort of understand what the next wave of of interest is going to be from consumers. And if they can invest early, earlier than the boom, then they see a payout. And so, so yeah, for us, we have been able to, I think certainly there have been, um, and and there's much, there are many more investment dollars going into the industry, both plant-based as well as cultured meat now in 2021 and 2020 than there was say, for instance, in 2016, 2018, but we were able to secure some funding. Yeah, shortly, not so long after we started the company, but certainly I've noticed that there's only growing interest as more and more folks just, yeah, see what actually they understand what the future is really going to be. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. You're doing beautiful work and we're so glad that you're here. Is there anything else you'd like to share that we didn't cover today, Shannon? 
Um, I would just say that, you know, for your listeners, yeah, I would love for them to, to check out our website and to check out our products. And so we are happy to share a promo code. So Bark15 for any of your listeners who are interested. And, and yeah, I encourage, we're, we're very open to, to communicating with, with folks. So we can be reached at hello at becauseanimals.com. And that link is also right on our website. First of all, thank you so much for offering that promo code, everybody jump on it. You're going to be at the beginning of a very, very popular curve. So get in early and test it on your dogs and cats. And if they love it, become customers and become part of this revolution for good. Tell us where on your social sites people can find you. Yeah. So we have, gosh, you know, so because animals.com is our website. And then we also have an Instagram and Twitter and Facebook handle. And I think if, if you go to our website at the bottom of the page, you'll see the handles for each of those, each of those social sites. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's been wonderful talking with you. It's been educational. And again, you're doing beautiful, beautiful work and continued success for you guys. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, you inviting me to your show today. Thank you. It is my pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark, you make us sound great. We love you for that. My passion is living stylishly, animal rescue and health. So tune in next time for designers, home decor, rescue stories, health experts, and great stories and important info to share. So until next time, in Fierce Fashion Calls, Bark and Swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.